This episode of The Big Story is brought to you by Mazda Canada's Local Legends Initiative, supporting Canadian small businesses for the holidays. If you've listened to this podcast over the past little while, and you haven't skipped the ads, you're not supposed to, you know, that's how we make money. You'll probably be familiar with my conversations with small business owners on behalf of Mazda. Now, as part of that campaign, we were going to record this special and, yes, paid, bonus episode with another entrepreneur. But because we insist on editorial control on these projects, and because the big story is about the bigger picture, I wanted to speak with someone who could talk to us about the tidal wave of small business owners needing help over the past two years. About what kind of help they needed, and about whether or not they got it, and from who. As you also might know, if you are a regular listener to this podcast, I am the child of a small business. My parents run an apple orchard. The past two years for them have been tough. They had to figure out everything from how to pay bills and taxes with no income, which government programs, both federally and provincially, they qualified for, how to adapt their business to fit health and safety protocols, how to up their digital game, just everything. And there are millions of people in this country like my parents. So today we'll talk to someone who has spoken with lots of them. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is a special bonus episode of The Big Story. John Rocco is the Vice President of Marketing for Canadian Banking at Scotiabank. That means he oversees much of their Canadian retail and commercial business programs, especially small business consultation. Hey, John. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad you could join us. And I want to start by, if you could, I know it must feel like a million years ago, Take me back to February or March of 2020, whenever it was that you were sitting wherever you were sitting and you realized COVID is going to be a nightmare for small businesses across the country. You know, I remember we were we were in our in our offices and we we talked about initiating our business continuity planning and starting to send people home and starting to think about what we were going to do with our branches and and how we were going to you know, keep people safe, you know, the scope of it grew so quickly. And I think there was, um, there was a lot of adrenaline. And I think we probably worked three or four days straight just to get messaging out. And, you know, the government started to come down very quickly with, you know, various support measures. And we tried to interpret them and tried to, you know, how do we, how do we get these messages out uh, for our customers and our clients? And we thought this would last, you know, a short period of time. And then when it, you know, it quickly became uh, apparent that this was going to be something that was going to take time um, and we didn't know the extent of it. And just looking at the, the the things that we were doing around keeping our branches open, it became became very clear that the impact that this was going to have on on small businesses and our customers who, who operate in, in small and medium-sized businesses as they were trying to think about what what they were going to do to navigate this unknown that was coming at them. So, you know, that adrenaline started to wear off and we started to realize the scope of it. Hmm. It was, it was really a call to arms at the time and uh, really trying to figure out what we could do as partners uh, to, to help our customers. In those first few weeks when nobody really knew how long this was going to last, 
What were the concerns you were hearing from entrepreneurs uh, that worked with you? Like, what were their chief worries and what were they looking for? Their chief worries were really how how are we gonna how are we gonna survive? Um, where do we go for help? What does the help being offered mean? Am I am I eligible for it? Um, you know, can I keep can I keep my staff? Can I keep my doors open? What do I do with my inventory? So I think they were looking for they were looking for help. Uh, they were looking for partnership and trying to figure this out. Um, so we played a really important role in trying to interpret um, the various support mechanisms that were that were coming through the various levels of government. And they needed advice, right? And they needed they needed trusted advice, and they needed someone that they could they could turn to um, and and help them help them figure out how to you know keep their dreams alive. Tell me about those initial support programs and. You know, I'm going to leave out how, you know, you interpreted them for for small businesses, but just you yourself and your team, um, you get this new legislation, new stuff is being passed daily or weekly. How do you dig into that and figure out what it means? Yeah, I, it, it was um, it was certainly, you know, it was a high paced, high emotion period of time where we were you know, we were looking through it and looking at how do we deliver it, right? So how do we how do we get the help into the hands as fast as possible? So looking through the legislation, looking through some of the changes that were happening, and really just making sure that we understood it very well and that we could communicate it. So, you know, we, we overemphasized uh, communication and reaching out um, to people to help them understand that, you know, hey, you may not realize, but you you know, help is available to you and we're going to help you ensure that you get all, all of the assistance that you need. So, you know, it was really about that one-to-one relationship um, that our advisors could provide, you know, and we put the communication into those advisors' hands. We interpreted, built the materials, built the communication mechanisms. Um, and then, you know, our the people in our branches, the, our advisors, our small business advisors, um, our personal banking advisors, um, you know, did tremendous work in making sure they reached as many people as possible and helping them understand what was available to them. This next question is going to sound like it's me asking you to criticize the various governments for what they were doing. That's not what I'm trying to get at here, but this was an opportunity to learn in real time what worked for helping small businesses and what didn't. So as that legislation came out and and there were a number of different ones which ones did you find made the biggest difference to the clients you were working with and and which ones maybe didn't accomplish what we hoped they would yeah i mean it was happening so quickly you know i think the intent uh, the intent was there across i think all of the initiatives uh, to provide the right amount of help um, to businesses, but I think you know wage subsidies were probably one that comes to my mind as as something that probably had the biggest impact early on because I think people worried about is 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 my job safe? Um, can I pay my people? Right? You know, as we as a large organization talked about how are we going to keep our people safe? How are we going to keep our branches open? Those small and those those medium sized businesses are, are are thinking the same thing. Like there's payrolls, there's people counting on those things. How do we how do we ensure 
um, that they're going to continue to get paid, that they can that they can feed their families, right? These were these were very real things that people had to think about. So, you know, having that empathy and 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 trying to understand uh, what they were going through as business owners and and people trying to protect their staff, I think, you know, that's probably things like wage subsidies that could help people bridge what we had hoped would be a small period of time was probably the most impactful. I, th- I think, you know, like anything, when you're when you're trying to implement things of this scale, I think some of the complexity of, leg- of legislation becomes something that you have to navigate. And I don't know if there's a way to do it simpler and faster. I think everybody worked mm-hmm. as fast as they could to make sure that that everybody was going to be okay. You know, in a normal period of time, when you're when you're talking about implementing a new piece of legislation that may, you know, impact, you know, lending or 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 borrowing, like, you know, that takes a significant amount of time to think about customer communications and how do people understand things and the various, uh, you know, rules and regulations. I mean, we were turning stuff around in days that would have taken months um, because it was it, because of the urgency of the situation. You mentioned that everyone from the government to yourself to obviously people in the community and business owners were urgently working to make sure that everyone was okay. We're almost, sadly, two years into this. I guess my question for you from your perspective is, is everyone okay? Of the businesses that you were working with before the pandemic, what percentage made it out all right? I I think that is something that is, you know, still playing out. I would say, you know, what I can say is business owners did turn to people um, and did turn to advice, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, majority of like 51% of small businesses um, through a study we, you know, we looked at have, have said they will need more financial support in the future to continue to continue their operations. Mm-hmm. Some adapted, right? 37% of small businesses invested in um, digital capabilities to pivot in, in, in the w- new ways customers were interacting with them, whether that was building an app or a website or adding new e-commerce capabilities. So, you know, some turned and invested in, and, and, you know, pivoted and started to make a digital transition faster. And, and that, that move, that pandemic forced businesses to pivot that way. 20% of, 19% of businesses surveyed now offer services online where they may not have before. Um, 40% of businesses have enabled remote work. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things not only helped people to adapt to the pandemic, but have positioned them for, you know, post-pandemic, call it new normal or, or a new way of working. So, um, and I think the role that, you know, financial institutions played was advice. You know, 79% of small business owners have said, they turned to somebody for advice during the pandemic. You know, maybe half of that amount, 36% of business owners actually turned to an advisor through a financial institution. Um, one thing we do know is, you know, those who did um, were able to adapt quicker and, and to mitigate the impact of the pandemic better uh, than those who didn't. Because if you, you know, if you weren't turning to experts, you may, you may have, you know, left support on the table, or you may not have been able to pivot in a way that that others did. So, you know, it was important for people to to get the right advice, and we continue to offer that advice as 
as we navigate, you know, yet another blip in the pandemic with the Omicron variant and, and, and what that's doing to fears of another wave. Tell me about some of those conversations that you mentioned uh, with these entrepreneurs, because I imagine, I mean, I don't have to imagine, I know because we've talked to them, uh, you know, they were scared, they were confused. This is their entire livelihood on the table. Um, How do those conversations go when you're trying to help them adapt or help them figure it out? And, you know, this is their life. Yeah, I think... You know, at the beginning, it was much more about there was an immediacy factor, right? So it was uh, dealing with what was in front of them right now. And I think as people have adapted uh, to what's happened and, and sort of this, this new normal, we have really talked to people about flexibility, you know, helping them understand that, you know, many of the challenges that they may have seen during the pandemic um, some of those pivots, some of those changes are here to stay, right? So con- consumer expectations have shifted. We talked about digital. You know, sometimes people just feel that the challenges are insurmountable, right? With another winter coming and new variants, you know, there's a, there's a definite fatigue. And, and, you know, when will this end and will I be able to weather this? So, you know, we talk about flexibility being key, um, helping them understand can they offer more channels to do business? If one channel is impacted, can we open another one? Can we uh, you know, double down on another one? And I think now we're dealing with supply chain issues, right? So it was at first, how do I be safe? Um, and how do I keep my, my people employed? And how do I you know, pay my bills and my payroll? And now it's about how do I get product? Or how do I get product that's not twice the price and, you know, shipping surcharges and delays. So, you know, really we're, we're shifting now to talking about how do we deal with those challenges? Inflation and supply chain and cost of goods are a very real thing. That's, you know, it, it's, it's impacting so many people. I've, you know, I've talked to, you know, people who are bringing in product and, and, you know, shipping surcharges on containers are, at some some cases as big or as large as the cost of the, the container shipment itself. So, you know, they're they're very real things that they're they're having to having to deal with. And and you know, how do you navigate these these cost increases? How do you pass those on to the consumer without losing the consumer? So, you know, these are all things that um, talking with uh, an experienced advisor can help people navigate and uh, help them understand what options exist for them. And I think those who have been, that have been remained flexible um, and have been able to adapt to change, um, you know, they're, they're having maybe a, an easier time navigating this. What's the one thing that the businesses that have adapted well and come out of this stronger have in common? I, th- I think flexibility is 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 a key thing. I think you've seen businesses look for ways to pivot. I think you see uh, businesses that maybe adapt their model. And I think we've talked about, you know, other channels and digital. I think it's also spurred innovation, right? In, in terms of to connect the, their customers with their products or services. So I think, I think those that have really looked for, um, 
for new opportunities. And I say, I mean, maybe opportunity is not the right word, but the flexibility and able to deliver what they need to deliver to their customers. Um, I think I think those are the, the businesses that have been able to um, weather this better. Last question. I'd love to know what you think of all the initiatives that we've seen around the country. I mean, you know, we could plug a million of them here, but it seems like every major media company, including including us, I think you guys also had one, ha- has made a push to tell people to shop local um, and and support local businesses. Tell me a little bit about the relationships that you've seen build between these entrepreneurs and the places where they live. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been, you know, it's been something that you've mentioned there's been there's been a number of initiatives uh, to help people with that i think you know i even think about my own community and and um how i actually i think i do shop more local now and i i do look to favor the smaller the smaller businesses and i think they've done i think those businesses have done a really good job in connecting with their community serving them in different ways whether it's been you know, the curbside pickups or some of the deliveries or, um, or, or some of them adapting their business models, whether it be, you know, um, restaurants doing um, grocery type delivery or moving into, you know, selling butcher products or wh- whatever, whatever it is. I, I have seen a lot more, a lot more connection with, the, with their local community, which I think has done a really good job in people seeing the value that their, their local business owners provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a personal touch there as well. You, I think I've gotten to know so many more of the small business owners um, in my community, whereas before I, I maybe took, took that relationship for granted. So I think that I think local business owners have done a really good job of um, representing themselves as part of the community where they, where they do actually trade. And I think that's created a strong emotional connection to these places. John, thank you so much for your time today and giving us a little bit of a a big picture look at how these businesses are making it work. Great. Thank you so much for having me. John Rocco of Scotiabank. That was a special episode of The Big Story. For more from us, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can write to us at TheBigStoryPodcast. That's all one word at rci.rogers.com. As you probably know, we are off for the next couple of weeks to stay safe and healthy and get away from the news cycle and be with our families. We do, however, have a few treats beyond this episode coming for you over the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll listen to them. Some of them are self-indulgent. Some of them are informative. Some of them are just things we think you'll enjoy. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk soon. This episode of The Big Story was brought to you by Mazda Canada, pledging up to $1 million to help rebuild small businesses across Canada that have been significantly affected by COVID-19 lockdowns. You can learn more about Mazda's Local Legends campaign at mazda.ca.